Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry. What bubbles up? What's poppin' everybody and welcome to part two of episode six of this season of What Bubbles Up? Woohoo! The show about ideas. Where do they come from and how do you know when they're truly great? Like we said, it is the second part of our What Bubbles Up? an illustration show. Yeah, it's a double feature, Phil. Double feature. Double feature. Just like a drive-in movie on a Saturday. Exactly, That's right. exactly. Like Kong versus Godzilla, I think, is the example we came up with. And uh, we yeah. have a, a, a guest today who also is an illustrator, but really, um, oh gosh, I feel like singing, when you wish upon a star. Maybe not. <laughs> not All right. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Uh, it's a Friday. Yeah. It's a Friday. All right. Uh, let's start the way we always do, though, Barry, with the all-important question. What are you drinking? All right. So I am uh, journeying down into Stratford, Connecticut uh, mm-hmm. t- today, Phil, uh, from Evil Twin Brewing. I thought oh, since yes. it's a double feature, we have sort of two illustrators. I'm going Evil Twin. This is the No Matter Weiss. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a Berliner style Weiss ale. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. It just it's got this whole sort of like retro uh, limo on it. Yeah. So I'll give it a I'll give a crack it open for us here. Very, ooh, there, there it we is. Go. Nice. What are you drinking, Phil? Yeah. Um, well, here outside the nation's capital, it is sunny. It is really warm, almost unseasonably so. And mm-hmm. uh, as I stepped out um, in the afternoon with my kids, um, bees were flying all around. Ooh. And um, yeah, they're scared of them. So they they scattered like the villagers of Pompeii. But um, <laughs> I, I, I feel it's yeah. important to save the bees, Barry. I think they're yes. a very important part of our environmental yes. ecosystem. And so yep. I'm taking a big left turn here um, all the way north to Baltimore, uh, mm. which is the home of Charm City Mead Works. I'm going with a honey mead, um, wow. which is not a beer. I am uh, aware of that. Um, semi-sweet barrel-aged honey wine. It's, it, it's very sweet, but it's also 12%. It's not going to have a satisfactory pop, but it's mm. going to be delicious. I'm going to try it now. All I remember is that little John from Robin Hood was always like drinking or making mead. That's right. That's kind of what I remember. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. Well, I've had it before. They're, they they do really great stuff. So I'm excited awesome. about this. Well, that's right. I, I Anything to support the bees. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest here. So to, we are really thrilled uh, at What Bubbles Up to be joined today by Tony Santo, who is as Phil mentioned, an illustrator uh, and really has had a pretty impressive career. He's spent a bunch of time at Disney, and we're hoping to talk about that. Uh, did a lot of some of the really interesting um, uh, uh, animation and sort of thinking in, in some of the early years at EA Sports mm-hmm. and has been a collaborator for uh, numerous film directors and commercial directors, including Tony Kay, mm-hmm. who's someone I hopefully we're going to talk a little bit about. Yeah. So welcome, Tony. Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Great to be here, guys. Yeah. So tell us, what yep. are you drinking there? I see you, you've you already got something pretty elaborate. I mixed the Kahlua and milk. Very uh, simple. Yes. Like rocks glass. Um, I'm not a big beer drinker. In fact, I rarely ever drink it. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, but I do like sweet drinks. And um, mm-hmm. I don't drink a lot, but occasionally I'll, I'll mix a drink. And That's my drink of choice, I guess. That is your drink of choice. I like it's it. It's sort of a, it. It looks delicious. I 
we welcome all we welcome all kinds here on what bubbles up so <laughs> yeah, all kinds are, of alcohol. Not the, yeah. yes. <laughs> all right let's dive right into it yeah. so tony i mean we we chatted a little bit in prep for this and and just i mean the amount of notes we have on the conversation is like four pages long here but maybe we start a little bit in the beginning i mean so you started out at uh, the parsons school of design right you mentioned you had a couple of teachers who really made a difference yeah. but i think yeah. you actually you really talked about some stuff that you did in Florida. Tell us a little bit about some of the classes that you took in Florida with a teacher. So um, I was really lucky that um, I guess about second or third year into college, um, I wasn't feeling particularly mm -hmm. gifted at this point because I, you know, in high school, you feel a little bit stand out from the crowd. Mm -hmm. You know what you want to do. You want to go to comic books. You want to do this yep, yep. Go better than everyone. Then you go into college and it's people from all over the world and you don't even know what they're talking about half the time because they're so damn smart and educated. Yep. But um, I met this uh, guy named Dave Pasalacqua mm -hmm. Sr. And he himself was an illustrator. Mm. In some of the illustration annuals from the 60s and 70s, you'll see his name come up now and then. Yep. And he had a really interesting uh, gift for teaching and a really good approach to it. And uh, I didn't know what it was, but I could sense in his classes that he was teaching life drawing and mm. he was teaching illustration. So he said, we're going to um, do life drawing class this week. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. I'm going to do an assignment. You're going to go home. And the next class, you're going to present the assignment. Mm. I don't want to just do illustration. I think you should be drawing to develop your identity you talk about that stuff, but it was really like, I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. And um, I found out he had this school in Florida that he owned and bring a bunch of students down there. And we draw in this uh, classroom for uh, anywhere from six to nine hours a day. Wow. A uh, couple times it was like, it was really like a surprise. If he, you think you were done for the day, you'd be recovering from dinner and he'd say, Somebody would walk in the room and say, Dave wants everybody in the studio at seven o'clock or, mm. or nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. And his, oh, wow. reasoning, his reasoning was like, you know, in the, in this business, if you're going to get into this business, that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. You've got to be yeah. on whenever they call you. Yeah. So we all loved it. We're in college, you know, those years and it was uh, great. And it, the, um, num the, I guess the quantity of drawings that we did, in such a short amount of time was amazing. Something yeah. I've never been close to. Mm -hmm. But we focused on short poses and we he talked a lot about philosophy and talked a lot about art, what makes a good picture. Then we went to Disney for a week. Yeah. We spent about five days in Disney World. And uh, he was trying to um, make a connection between what we did in the studio yeah. as, as artists. And now you have to do it on location. You have to work quickly and you have to memorize a lot. And, you know, so we, we got into this stuff and I went back to the school a couple of times, uh, a couple of set different sessions between semesters of college. And I remember the first time I went, um, I came back and it was um, September. Yeah. I went yeah. to August. The first session was August. Went back to Parsons and right away, one of the teachers saw me drawing, life drawing. Mm -hmm. He came up to me and he, now he's talking to me. He wants to know all about what I'm doing, how I'm doing this. And oh, wow. What is the difference? And then some of the other students, uh, I remember there was another student I was friends with who said, what happened down there? You know, and I couldn't really explain it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, 
maybe I got somebody else interested. Uh, but I, I had him as a teacher, this guy, Pasolacqua, and, and then we had classes on the weekend in New York sometimes. Yeah. So I started yeah. with him on and off throughout the years, but I feel like that really gave me the competitive edge I needed, especially confidence level. Yeah, that was the moment. Yeah, I think I think that's really true. I was like, you, you you're sort of like the guy in high school, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you're one of many really talented people, and and it takes it takes something like that to kind of make you elevate your game, go to the next level. Well, that the 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 humble pie you're forced to eat when you're surrounded by people who are as good or or better than you. I mean, I was a musician in in high school and college. Of course, you get to college and like thinking you're hot shit on toast and realizing kind of not <laughs> cold, cold, cold shit, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I've heard the same, you know, with athletes or, uh, yeah. or anyone who's, you know, comes from a small town and ends up, you know, tries to conquer New York city or something and, um, yeah. gets off the bus or whatever and realizes, eh, maybe not so much. Um, but that rigor and, and that sort of practice, the practice makes, permanent kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. And the muscle memory that, that, that got you into, um, some pretty interesting gigs uh, just to start things off. You did a lot of, you know, sort of art for like role-playing games. Uh, my, my inner yeah. geek once again, uh, has uh, his heart a flutter. It mentions of things like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, D and D as we, as the, yeah. as we say, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, somewhere in your house is a 30, uh, two sided die. Oh, definitely yeah. Phil. Well, yes. Yeah, you, okay. Maybe I'm not the only one. Well, take us, let's actually leap forward. Why don't you take us actually right into, um, like how did you get from there and from some of the billboard stuff into Disney? Like how, how did you kind of make that transition? So a deep longing to be more than I was, you know, as an artist and yeah, I got into the role-playing games, um, yeah. mm-hmm. and that was, um, in order to make money, I was always conscious of how many hours I spent on a drawing, right? Yeah. So I was always sweating, and I feel like I made a growth period there in terms yeah. of my chops, mm-hmm. you know, seasoning myself as an illustrator. But I had always wanted to get into Disney because I heard about this training program years before. Mm. And I was always doing little storyboards and making up little stories yeah, uh, uh, and drawing them and putting them together, and then I would. Have so how do you how do you get into the training program? Do you have to apply for it? How does that yeah, work? So I applied to it. Um, you know, I don't remember how I got wind of it, but I got the address, and there was like a checklist of what they were looking for. They wanted animals and figure drawing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was what they were focusing on. Yeah. They, didn't want yeah. to, they didn't ask for animation or illustration or experience. So I figured, boy, if I go there, they're really, I really show them because I have more than just figure drawing. I was really lucky. I applied. I had done tons of work. Yeah. I had put five portfolios together, mm. one for each studio that was popular. There was Disney. There was DreamWorks, mm-hmm. fairly new. There was a Warner Brothers studio that was fairly new and only lasted a small, small amount of time. Yeah, yeah. There was a Fox Fox had their own studio, mm-hmm. and there was one other one. I forgot where it was. So basically five portfolios I sent off, and um, right away Disney called me, and they said, you know, we want to hire you. Wow. You're, we're hiring 18 people. You're number one on the list. Wow. Ooh. I, wow. I, I was, That's awesome. I was really impressed, and I was reading in the paper, and the statistics were 5,000 applications. I was number one out of 18 people to get hired. I was very, you know, 
kind of pleased with myself, but I was really excited. Yeah. So I went down, they sent me down to Florida. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to go out West, but they said, no, we're going to put you in a Florida studio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, MGM studios at the time. And, uh, you're going to work on this movie called Mulan. Yes. And I said, great. I'll go to Florida. I love Florida. So I went down there and, uh, I was there six years. I worked on six films. Yeah. yeah. So talk about, like, what was it, when you say you were on Mulan, were you drawing, like, key drawings, or what was the kind of the work that you did there, and what was the uh, team that you worked with? Yeah, I was an in-betweener, which means that's, like, the lowest level of animation. Uh, <laughs> like You'd fill in the key is someone You draw an in-betweener. There's two departments. There's a rough animation and cleanup animation. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the cleanup animation side. Okay. Some people look down on it, but other people love it because it's your drawings are the actual drawings on the screen. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. Whereas the rough ones are translated by you. You translate those, make them on model, make them look like what the character's supposed to look like. So I was assigned to the miscellaneous unit, um, and I was loving that. That was great because I didn't work on I didn't know how I felt about in-betweening because I didn't want to just sit there and carefully pencil things the rest of my life yeah yeah uh, and it demands you know some some kind of attention span and discipline and i, I, I was just being a little crazier freer with my drawing yeah, I, yeah i've definitely heard that about um disney i had a i had a friend who worked in the uh the imagineering group on the west coast that's sort of like yeah. cgi meets you know sort of amusement park rides they don't do it yeah. anymore i don't i don't believe um but he used to talk about it's it's kind I mean, it's kind of a factory. Um, there's mm-hmm. definitely a process, and you are a cog in that wheel. And you, you know, once you get something handed to you, you do it. You hand it off to somebody else. So, so is it true then that you don't get a sense of sort of the totality of the project? Uh, you're just focused on that one thing, or do you get a chance to sort of step back and see why my my work is an important part of this overall sort of cinematic experience? Um, for me, it was. I got an idea. I got a comprehensive idea of the whole project because um, just walking around the studio all the time, you're seeing things on the walls. They had the walls loaded with mm-hmm. viz dev work, mm. stuff that you won't see in the movie. Yeah. It doesn't make it to the movie. It just gets filtered and edited, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you see your friends' drawings. You stop by their desk. You see what they're doing. And so, and then you go to dailies once a week. Um, oh, yeah. Wednesday yeah, yeah. morning, you go in and have a nice theater. Mm-hmm. You go in, just real quiet. You know, they just say dailies are at 8.30. You just walk in, you sit down, you watch the dailies. There's no music. There's no sound most of the time. It's just raw footage. So you see the rough tests. You see things that haven't been finished most of the time. And that was fun. And then once in a while, when they got a reel together, they had enough to put a movie together with voiceover, scratch tracks, mm-hmm. you'd watch that. Yeah. There was always a buzz. You're always talking about the film all the time. Yeah, yeah. So... Miscellaneous was cool because it's a different character all the time. Yeah. So did like you get that. to, and so did you, no, I mean, you should have mentioned before you worked on Mulan, you worked on The Emperor's New Groove, you worked yeah. on Lilo and Stitch. I mean, if I just think about those three movies, very different movies, right? Mulan was yeah. sort of probably kind of like epic looking. Emperor's New Groove had a lot of almost sort of like exaggerated cartoon yeah. kind of like stuff. And then Lilo and Stitch was an interesting, it was almost like Hawaiian, right? Like how do you adapt your style to each of these films? Uh, whoever the art director is or the character designer, they come mm. up with the look of the film. Mm. And then they work with their team of people to um, make it, make sure it filters throughout each discipline. So 
all the characters look a certain way, mm-hmm. all the spaceships look a certain way, all the army looks a certain way, the tents, the landscapes, yep. and then they'll show you all the people they, they're thinking of. Like they'll have the artists that inspired that yep. landscape. So all our landscapes are inspired by Joe Schmo in this one, mm-hmm. and then our <laughs> color palettes inspired by this. Yeah, they would have all that stuff. It was very transparent. It was hanging up everywhere. Oh, that's good. So yeah. you know, if you didn't understand what it was, you go ask somebody, and they were kind enough to tell you because it was a friendly place in Florida. Um, yeah, and it seems to me so, that um, um, this may—and correct me if I'm wrong—this may have been sort of like the last gasp of the true hand-drawn illustration style of of yeah. feature-length animated uh, 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 cinema because now yeah, it's it all CGI I mean frozen and you know basically Pixar kind of changed the game um, d- so w- w- were you sensing any of that at the time or um, were you just like I'm I'm just happy to be here I was real happy to be there and uh, we saw it coming because it was happening before I got there and you know Toy Story was out before I was hired mm-hmm. uh, but it was more of a mystery, and then as we started to um, see more of it appearing around us in the different movies, like we could see they were working on a movie called Dinosaur. Yeah. And we see the dailies for that. We didn't know what the heck it was sometimes. It was just looked like, you know, uh, construction blocks mm-hmm. of, of dinosaur. It's like a low-poly low thing. Yeah, all the different polygons and stuff. So we kind of knew when we started getting into that towards the end, we started like taking classes and stuff and getting interested. Uh, but I don't think anybody saw the end coming the way it did. It just, they just made an announcement. We're not going to do 2D. We're going to just, you know, oh. progress from that and focus on 3D only. Yeah. So there was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Is it what's going to happen? That's a mistake. Everybody had an opinion. And then, um, um, but you know, we all knew we were doing good work and yeah, important work. And I, I don't think I ever really, you know, come to terms with that everybody sees it. Like, you know, how many people told me, "Oh my God, I've seen Mulan. My kid loves Mulan a hundred times. We watched it last night. This and that. I can't believe you worked on it." Mm-hmm. It just feels like when I see it, I feel like that was so great. But I. It's, it's it's time to move on because mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. was so close to me that when yeah. it ended i had to really you know <laughs> yeah. get it out of my mind because i must have had dreams of that place for like a year yeah oh, well sure. you get so when you work on those things you're just so into it what's interesting to me though is that you know obviously that that sort of that shift was pretty abrupt for you but you know your next move was kind of sort of into digital right you, you went from disney to ea sports yeah. tell us a little bit about that uh, so I had been always interested in storyboards, and I was studying that at yeah. my spare time at Disney. They had some classes and things like that. And I was always applying for story promotions, but they never really said there was going to be a story promotion. They would just say, you know, we're going to have a review board. You bring your stuff and you show it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My stuff was a little, not really Disney. Sometimes it was a little bit darker. You know, I did like a <laughs> World War Two. Oh episode inspired by something my father went through when he was in a kid. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So I had storyboards that I had accumulated over the years. So I had that in the portfolio. Plus I had been filming my stuff at home. Mm-hmm. I rigged up a, you know, a digital camera. No, I'm sorry, uh, an analog camera on, on right. videotape. I rigged it up in my office and I shot each frame and I put it together and I mm. did a little, you know, 
editing, put music on it, and I had some reels now. And then I'd put a little film together, five-minute film of my storyboards. Then I put sound effects and music. I was like, yes, it's great. You know, nobody, yeah. else, nobody else did that on their own. Yeah, yeah. If you weren't working in that position, you didn't do it at Disney. But I did it on my own. So when I went to EA, all I showed them was storyboards yeah. and my reels. And I, I was pretty, you know, pretty interested in what they were doing. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. But I, I knew they needed like somebody. They kept talking about the NASCAR game they were working on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they kept showing me the NASCAR room. And this is the NASCAR crew. And so I went home and I was thinking, maybe I should do something for NASCAR, you know, like a to get yeah. a second, maybe yeah. get a second interview. So I don't know if you know, they had a Richard Petty racetrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On the Disney, Walt Disney World property. So me, I like to draw on location. Mm-hmm. So now they, you know, I'm off of work for like the two months. They let us kind of come and go at our will. Yeah, so yeah. I, went, I went there for an afternoon and I just drew a bunch of cars. And the first thing I noticed was places empty. They had maybe two cars on the track. Yeah. So first thing I did was make it look like it was crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it look like it was real. And then I said, you know, I'm sitting around with dinner one night with my wife and some friends. And I, so, you know, I had this idea because they had these souvenir tires that they sell for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. They go on these runs around the track, and after like a couple hours, they got to change that tire. They don't use it again. Right. They're gigantic, monumental tires. They're stacked up outside the where you buy your tickets, five dollars each mm. for souvenirs. Right? Wow. Oh, cool! Yeah. So I go. You know what? What if I got a tire and I got some kind of mesh, like you know, industrial looking stuff, and I put a portfolio of all my NASCAR drawings and I put it in that. In the tire. Wow. Oh, very cool. That's yeah. cool. And I bolted it in with bolts and rubber and all this stuff. And my wife said, it's a great idea to do it. She put a big giant bow on it because she had a basket business, gift baskets. <laughs> yeah. She had a big giant basket. I used her messenger. They sent it off to the guy. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call a couple hours later. And uh, <laughs> wow, boy, Tony, you know how to make an impression. That's great. We'd like, we'd like to have you come in for a second interview. And I heard about that story. For the six years I was there. That's, That's awesome. That's yeah. what? I, remember. Uh, I know what I'm stealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm so cool. Yeah. I, I have to say, uh, now I know who other than John Madden I have to blame for the second semester of my uh, third year of college going to, <laughs> to, to, to hell. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the video game tournaments we had, I mean, that was, it was, uh, it was great, but it was a serious distraction. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I I mean, EA Sport, this is an interesting time at EA. Like, yeah, a lot of, like, if I talk to my kids right now about EA, it's like this massive enterprise. Back then, it was it was a little bit, mm-hmm. it, it was sort of like just up and coming, right? This was sort of like early, this was like EA Sports. It's in the game. Yeah. I sort of remember that whole, oh, yeah. that yeah. whole era right there. That phrase and is it was embedded just, in my brain. Yeah. Yes, it was just... <laughs> It was it was it was just sort of like coming on and and uh, but I mean it it sounds like you were kind of there and you sort of helped them think about you know sort of camera angles essentially in a lot of the sports games and then as their business started to take off they started to hire a lot more people like you is that right Yeah uh, what happened was um, they said we need cinematic cameras we need to make video games compete with cinema yeah we're already outselling cinema mm-hmm. yeah. Right, but they said we want it to look more Hollywood. What can you do? So I got involved, and mm-hmm. it took me about a year to figure out how to design video games, like how to actually work, because nobody trained me really. 
Yeah. I, I shadowed someone and, you know, together this experienced brilliant art director, uh, helped me realize what's possible and what I could do. And yeah. And, and after the second game I worked on, I was, I was pretty much, un, uh, confident I could work on anything. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, they started hiring for the Superman Returns game. Is that movie? Where oh yes, Superman comes back. Yep. Whatever. Brandon Ralph. So that was a big thing. They got a lot of talent. A lot, a lot of people were attracted to the studio because of that. But everything yeah. else was just sports. So it wasn't always easy to keep people because not everyone wanted to do sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I helped the art direction group grow as a unit, as a force to be respected in the studio because nobody respected art directors. There had been no art directors for like a, maybe a year uh, until a year before I started. So I was a very new guy in a role that was still trying to prove itself. Um, and that, yeah. That was, yeah. That was, that was what was really interesting about it. And then the whole other aspect was the, you're not drawing by hand, you're doing everything 3D. Mm -hmm. So learning that pipeline, not necessarily learning how to make football players or stadiums myself because I didn't have that skill. Yeah. Um, but I learned how to use what was existing. Yeah. Make something attractive out of it and then throw in an improvement and then just throw a video together with all that stuff that I made up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stole and borrowed and then show that to the executives and the producers. And I got recognized right away. And so I, I knew people were recognizing me and that was good. Yeah. Yeah, that always was, good. Yeah, that was fun. It's what bubbles up? Seems like yeah. it seems like um, no matter what it is, no matter what the medium, or at least no matter what the what the genre or the modality, it seems like storytelling through your illustrations has always been sort of a consistent thread, which means that yeah. it's a, a fairly seamless transition, both into the world of advertising and in filmmaking, right? So um, so after your time at EA Sports, you transition into, um, you know, working as a, as a freelancer for it uh, and within the advertising industry, um, which which is an interesting thing. And then after that, you got into some filmmaking. So let's let's take those one at a time. T tell us a little bit about storyboarding for advertising, and then, and then we got to talk about this guy Tony K, who, by oh. all accounts, is a little bit of a maniac. But let's go. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah. um, I had been doing some storyboards on the side when I was at EA. Yeah. Uh, just through people I knew in New York, maybe somebody in Florida, just a couple of jobs. Uh, and when I first started, I maybe did like one job a year for them. Yep. I, got, I got another agent while I was hunting for more agents. Mm -hmm. I got two agents. So first year, very slow. Second year, much bigger. Third year, et cetera. Things grew. Um, but the advertising business was interesting. Um, I started out where people knew what they wanted and then it was quickly turned into people didn't know what they wanted. Yeah. So yeah. I found myself getting called in on site to brainstorm. Yes. Yeah. To do brainstorm sessions to um, do thumbnails. Yeah. Talk, and you sit with me and do thumbnails. And then sometimes I go in, there'd be no desk. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we didn't have time to get a desk or we couldn't get a desk. We're still figuring things out around here. Let's sit here in the lobby 
at the uh, or in the cafeteria or something like that. Yeah. So an hour or two, I look at the script. We talk. I do thumbnails. So what do you think of this? What do you think? Okay, great. Then you can go home. Go home and do it. Or yeah. stay up. You know, they had a table for me or something, and I stayed there. But that sounds fun. I like that. Yeah. You're actually sort of you're. You know what I'm saying? You're you're kind of in there. You can kind of like leverage. You know, the experience that you certainly had at Disney, the experience you had at EA, I mean, you understand you're kind of like moving the virtual camera in the video games and you're kind of doing yeah. that same kind of thing with the storyboarding. I can see how that would be powerful. And your ability to not just sort of like render other people's ideas, but sort of help them understand the possibilities. That's really powerful. Yeah. That's way more than storyboarding. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What yeah. fun, fun thing I noticed uh, in the beginning was that you know, they wanted some color storyboards, so I did them in color. And then I see the commercial spot after it was filmed. Yeah. And they used the exact same colored palette, the exact same design, staging, everything. So I, as far as I was concerned, hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, you know. Yeah, yeah. So translating well, you know. I mean, so, it, and it sounded like that was kind of your relationship with Tony Kay, right? You basically worked with him for about two years, right? For people who don't know, Tony Kay was... A really acclaimed director. I mean, I think of him uh, as like doing hugely famous music videos for like Runaway Train by Soul Asylum or a bunch oh, of stuff for the Chili Peppers. And then, of course, he did um, American History X with Edward Norton. Um, but he was sort of known as like a really in incredible um, filmmaker, visionary, does a lot of documentaries. He also was a sort of a fiery personality. He was he was really, really, really um um, sort of fierce about protecting his ideas and things like that. So how, what was your relationship with, with him? Were you able to just sort of like brainstorm with him or, or how did you work together? Yeah, I brainstormed with him. I didn't really know who he was when they, they called me. They, yeah. Somebody referred me and come in and meet this director. His name's Tony Kay. And do you know who he is? No, I don't know who he is. Yeah. He did all this. And it, instead of telling me like his work, mm -hmm. they yeah. tell me like about the stunts he pulled me. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he was controversial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whatever, I don't care. So I go in and I meet the guy, and he's uh, he was like sleeping on the couch because nobody was there when I got there. And, and I called the guy up who I was supposed to talk to, and he's like, "I'm not there yet. I'm running late." I said, "Well, nobody's here. He said, Tony's got to be there. He's there." Tony, you know what? Knock on the door of my office. Go to my office. It looks like this, and uh, he's probably just asleep because he was traveling by plane. Mm. Probably mm. asleep. Okay. Yeah. So I finally, I open the door. I, f I forget that the door is unlocked. I see this guy, <clears throat> giant guy, curled up on this little couch sleeping. And, I mean, he was out. He was out. <laughs> I could not wake him up. I knocked on that door, and finally he woke up and slowly came around. I was really patient with him. Well, it's fine, you know. Uh, yeah. He started to slowly open up to me. It was wasn't really vocal at first. Yeah. Until the other guy got there. I could tell he was a little, you know, disoriented from taking his nap, whatever. But it's something about him I really liked, you know. And um, I remember his shoes. He had shoes that were covered in paint. Mm, yeah. Paint. Okay. And after that time, I learned that he always wears those shoes. He paints in those shoes. He's a painter. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and it, I had made a good connection with him that night and came back another night. We worked all night, like, till, till late at night. And I mm -hmm. um, worked on a pitch for him. Yeah. Story pitch for a nice commercial. I don't think it ever happened. But we got talking about, you know, Sergeant Pepper and mm -hmm. Picasso. And I don't know how. I just kind of like took a stab and I was making a comparison like between the Beatles and Picasso, what they meant to their own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bart, sure. You know? Sure. And I could see he agreed with me. And then I told him about this um, 
story that I wanted to write a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. He encouraged me. Okay. Yeah. And I said, that's great. You know, and then I would hear from him a couple months later for another gig. And it was th- this time was remote. Right. Yeah. He's in wherever the heck he was, California or something. And then after a couple of these jobs and a couple of keeping in touch with him, he was polite enough to talk to me. I didn't know if I was really becoming a friend or not. I couldn't tell. Right. Yeah. He's such a big presence that by now I'm starting to know what he, what, where he's been, what his history was. And, um, I was able to speak candidly with him. So I think he respected me and, um, he had this idea for a movie and I was putting all this stuff together and it became more and more and more. And it, I guess he's not as structured as some people like, so he would just call me up and say, I got another idea. We've got to work on it this week. Are you, yeah. week? Are you available? I want to make sure you're available. Yeah. So we would do that. And then it turned into <laughs> Skype and it turned into like me here and the computer laptop that I had at the time, Skype. And he's yeah. sitting just staring at me the whole time. We're just talking. I said, what about this? What about that? And I think it should be this. And we developed this, I developed this movie idea with him. And then uh, I remember I went on vacation with my family for like a week. And he called me every day on vacation. And I'm like, I know I told you I'm on vacation. I don't know why you keep calling me. <laughs> talk about the project. Yeah. He, he would just say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, yeah, but I'm not good back till Monday, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then within a week or two, I submitted, I gave everything to him. Mm-hmm. I put like an animatic reel together yeah, yeah. So all the drawings i put voiceovers i put music and i came up with a lot of these ideas i was really happy with it was really fun it was really exciting yeah if somebody gives you like freedom yeah exciting, right yeah i think that's i mean so i mean i over the course of my my career i've worked with a lot of storyboard artists and actually i think it's a really interesting position if you are the storyboard artist because what you're often doing is you are um sort of hearing ideas that other people have been thinking about for a really long time and you're able to kind of hear them fresh. And so there's nothing quite so powerful as sort of hearing an idea fresh and being able to kind of like um, understand kind of what's working in, in a way that someone who's been working on something for a long time, sort of like you lose track of that a little bit. You almost sort of get like sort of caught up in the details. And so I have found like, the best storyboard artists aren't just simply rendering kind of what we're talking about, but they're actually, they're actually bouncing back sort of ideas exactly like what you're talking about with me. And uh, that sounds like the relationship. It's, it's an interesting, you get invited in, in the middle. It really is, is kind of like there's, there's the whole creative process that usually is sort of around origin. And then the storyboard artist kind of comes in, in the middle and then kind of goes away. And then the, the thing that everybody sort of often sees, the sort of like, uh, you know, the, the actual film itself, you know, doesn't have the actual illustrations in there. But, you know, the role of the storyboard artist and what kind of happened in that middle make, the, that middle bit is, is, the, is the powerful part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Phil, let's, let's roll into our, what do you say? We, let's roll into sort of like our what are we going to steal here let's do bit, it. I think. Yeah. yeah, this is pretty awesome. So why don't you tell us, like, of all the things, you know, you know Tony's, done a bunch of stuff what are the what are the what are the lessons from kind of his journey that that you would suggest that other artistic people listening to our show should steal yeah well um very cool stuff i I, i'm thinking right now for some reason about the closing credits (laughs) of the mandalorian season where they basically feature the storyboards oh yeah yeah yeah, i love that Uh, which is like such an amazing kind of homage to the creative process that, that got them mm. there. I think only a filmmaker kind of like um, John Favreau would, would 
would maybe do something like that because he's just as much a a a a creature of his own craft as much as he is a fan of his of the the stories that he tells the thing i'm gonna steal though is um (laughs) we we were talking with mike hardy uh Mm. a couple episodes ago about just like interesting ways to get someone's attention yeah and how do you give someone a sense of your personality when you can't be there to show it off for yourself and i think that that whole story about taking the NASCAR tire and putting your portfolio in it is such a brilliant way of kind of capturing you're seeing me without actually seeing me. It's like my, my, my output, my, my you know, creativity comes to life through the, the, the vehicle and the mechanism vehicle, uh, no, no pun intended, uh, of, of how I'm going to deliver my story to you. And I think that's, that's a good lesson. You know, you are one of many, many talented people. Uh, and the, the best thing you can do is to give a good sense of, of who you are and what you bring mm. to the table. As much about, you know, your your creative capability as your personality. I think, yeah. you know, Barry, you and I talk about this a lot. We hire personalities. We hire people who are going to be part of a community. Yeah. And uh, a mm. lot of that, as much as we want, you know, brilliant, you know, tacticians, we want people who we think can be uh, greater than the sum of their parts. And that's, yeah. that's, that's about culture as com- community and personality. So you know, don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Send someone a tire yeah. with a portfolio <laughs> in it. I love it. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Barry? What are you going to steal? So I, what I, what I'm really sort of like what I stand back and I kind of think about Tony's story, what I, what I'm really impressed with is, like there were all these stages where he just constantly kept improving himself mm-hmm. or sort of evolving. Right. And, and I think that happens to every artist or every creative person, right. He was probably like the guy in high school, like no one could draw like him. And then he gets to Parsons and he's like, Oh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that actually have a lot of talent yeah. here. And then, and then he didn't, he didn't let that, you know, sort of like stand in the way he found a way through this Florida program to really kind of evolve in a way that actually was kind of different than some of his other classmates. If you talk about Mm -hmm. the feature drawing that he did, you know, the way that he sort of like prepared himself for the, for the opportunity at Disney, the kind of training that he got there. And then literally again, sort of like digital comes rolling in and digital animation kind of changes the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And he figures out how to reinvent himself again into EA Sports and the video gaming business. And then all the way up to where he is right now, sort of like I would argue that Tony is certainly a storyboard artist, but really sounds like, uh, you know, whether he's working with advertising creatives or filmmakers like Tony Kay, he's actually a collaborator that probably is valued as much for the kind of like invention that he's going to bring to the overall story Mm -hmm. as literally kind of like the camera angles and, and sort of like, a framing of scenes. I think he, I think these are people who have ideas and they can't quite figure out exactly how to get it on paper Yeah, and, and sort of getting it out of their mind. Um, and on paper is exactly kind of what storyboard artists help people do. And then you can translate it through all of that. So yeah. that's what I would sort of steal. I think everyone is going to, in your artistic career, kind of like bump up where you suddenly realize that there are a lot of people like you and how can you then evolve and how can you evolve and you never stop evolving. That's sort of like the exactly. uh, the human journey, yep. I think. Very good. So, Tony, you are, yeah. What do you think? Hey, very nice, very kind compliments. I, I will say that, um, you know, a lot of it is done in the service of what you do. So, like you, 
you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm just thinking of like the EA thing. Mm. What do they need? Why do they keep talking about NASCAR? Maybe yeah. they need a guy in NASCAR. Yeah. And I sense that there's no art strength, no, no art leadership strength in the studio. Yeah. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but that was the sense they were giving me. Mm-hmm. And um, for me to make a bold maneuver and send this giant tire, which was on the guy's desk that hired me, um, you know, that's maybe they thought that's leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy who has a vision. We need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what worked for me at Billboard. It works worked for me at EA and other places. I think that's a good lesson. Yeah. I mean, I I think people who are constantly looking for like where is the hole, where where can I add value, and I'm going to do that. Yeah. And don't worry so much about like you know what their job description is, or that's not a part of my responsibility. Like the, right. there's an opportunity for me to add value. I'm going to add value there. Yeah. Those are the people that I think become the most valuable yeah. um, artists. And we'll partner. change the job description to fit the person too. You know. Yeah. That happens. A hundred percent. So Tony, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you spending the time. It's a great story. Yeah, thanks, um, do, so you had mentioned you might be teaching some online classes. I don't know. Do you want to promote anything that you've got going on? Um, there's a place in Orlando called the Elite Animation Academy. Hmm. Uh, a couple of Disney um, business people, I think, kind of started it, and they employed the a handful of Disney former Disney animators from mm-hmm. that studio mm-hmm. that was down there uh, to teach classes. My friend Woody Woodman was has a good relationship with them, and when he's able, he teaches classes for them, but he referred me to them. They hired me, and I'm supposed to be doing a class actually in comic book illustration and comic and cartoon art. Uh, another one is going to be traditional illustration, and another one is going to be animatics. With oh, wonderful. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I thought those would be, you know, again, those would be good classes. If yeah, well, let's do them. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can post a link and and we'll have people sort of be on the lookout. So, yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, why don't we wrap up here? So then, yeah. what bubbles up, listeners? Thank you again for listening to another great episode, a double feature mm-hmm. episode here. This is going to be a massive one here, Phil. Yeah. Um, so, if you haven't subscribed already, we want to encourage people to subscribe. You can find us, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and about eight other platforms. Or, of course, you can just visit us at whatbubblesup.com. Phil? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at What Bubbles Up. Once again, thank you so much to Tony Santo, illustrator and storyboarder extraordinaire. We will see you on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What Bubbles Up. What Bubbles Up. My feels pumping off like a